Hello and welcome viewer friends. I'm Kira, and today I'll be discussing the events of Married at First Sight UK Season 6 Episode 11. After a very intense couple of weeks, the producers have decided to give the couples a little break. From each other, not from the rigours of the experiment, which, as we will come to see, follow them regardless. Are you going to miss me today? asks Adam. It'll be our first day apart we've spent since we've been married. Taya says she will miss not having him in her pocket. The other couples are all eagerly preparing for their day of spouseless fun. Luke asks Morag if she's looking forward to Girls' Day. I'd rather be on Boys' Day, says Morag. Oh, Morag. Mel appears and reminds us that the couples have been spending nigh on 24 hours a day with each other, and so it's important for them to get some time away to help them gain a bit of perspective. We see Amy and Josh preparing for their days. Josh appears to be sitting on the bed, tying his shoelace. His voiceover tells us that he realises it's important for him to step up and be more affectionate and more emotionally available to Amy this week. I feel like we've jumped over all the other hurdles in this relationship so far, and I feel like this is our final hurdle, he says. It sounds like Josh reckons he and Amy are almost at the finish line of the happy relationship race, when really, they're barely in the stadium. Over with Bob and Meg, Bob asks Meg if she thinks it'll kick off today. She says that she can feel a bit of drama brewing. She and Bob are conversing while getting ready, Bob in one room styling his hair, while Meg applies her makeup in the bedroom. If anyone comes from me today, she says, then I am going to retaliate and share my thoughts, because I think I've been sitting on them a lot. Meanwhile, Alexis and Ant are having a very far apart chat on the couch. I feel like something's going to come up between me and Megan. Again, says Alexis. We either move on, or we just don't be friends. Today's deal day. Make your bed and lie in it. The spouses are split into their respective gender groups and sent off to do different things, presumably in the same location. The husbands will be having a barbecue in the woods and the wives, including Dan, will be having a Prosecco picnic in a clearing in the woods. There's a weird slow-mo scene of the groups walking towards the camera, laughing and jostling and, in the dude scene, horse playing. It feels very artificial. Like, I know this entire process is artificial, but there's no need for these stupid scenes that feel like they were the result of a director saying, guys, show us a bit more jocularity. Morag tells the camera that today will be an opportunity for the girls to get together and speak the truth. Hmm. I honestly thought that by this point there were no more truths left to speak. But uh, apparently I was wrong. Amateur spiritualist Amy has brought a bundle of burning sage to dispel any negative energy. No spoilers, but she should have brought something stronger. The girls and Matt have no sooner reached the table when they start popping bottles like a 90s rap group. Their table has food that you have to use a spoon to eat, while the husbands all get handheld foods like beer and burgers. Amy asks Taya how things are going with Adam. She says that she's besotted with him and adds, I feel really bad to sit here and say how happy I am because I know some of you aren't having the best of times. Meg hops in and says, don't apologise, which as we know is Meg's personal motto this week. Taya, this is what the experiment is all about, assures Alexis, smiling wanly. Overall, Alexis looks sad. Over with the dudes, Luke is asking Adam if he really has no concerns at all about Taya. Nothing. I've met someone that I can be 100% myself around. I'd like nothing more than to spend the rest of my life with her, he says. Whoa. But never mind about my unbearable happiness, how are things in Casa and Lexus? 
We are, and it was a concern of mine. We're just friends, says Ant. Oh no! The narrator reminds us that Alexis has been badly burned by the rejections from Jordan, so we can be fairly certain that another rejection might be one brush off too many for poor Alexis. Ant tells the gang that he and Alexis kissed, but they shouldn't have, because he feels like he led her on. First impressions were really good, but it's just friends, says Ant. It's so friendly. Does she feel the same, asks Luke. No. So you're not into her, asks Frankie. Ant says that it's not that he's not into her, it's more that he doesn't feel the sexual connection between them. Frankie confides to the camera that he is very shocked that Ant isn't into Alexis. I didn't think there was a guy alive who doesn't fancy her. I feel like shaking him. I feel sorry for Alexis, he says. God, she's had a rough ride. You said it, Frankie. The action flips back to the brides and Matt, where Taya is asking Alexis the same question. How are things with you and Green Eyes? She tells the girls that since the pair kissed, there has been no more physical intimacy. It comes to bedtime and we're just two friends in the bed. There's no spooning. Matt looks pained when he hears this, while Taya says, it's a no from me. I did not come here to find another male friend, she tells the gang. Amy is as baffled as Frankie by Ant's reluctance to get things cooking with Alexis. My girl's hot. What is wrong with you? She asks the camera. Matt asks why she doesn't just get stuck in. I've considered it, but do I want to get rejected again? She tells him. The action goes back to the boy BQ where Ant is asking Bob if he thinks things will kick off between Alexis and Meg. Bob says that there's been a lot of heat on Meg, a lot of heat, since things kicked off. And most of it, in his opinion, is unnecessary. Anne says he doesn't think Alexis will start things, but if things do start, she will kick off. Back with the girls, Alexis is ready to confront Meg. I have to speak my truth, she begins. I don't trust you. Oh Lord, here we go, says Taya, sitting back and grabbing a box of popcorn. I felt like how the commitment ceremony ended wasn't fair on me. Obviously I knew about the kiss, and then you went into detail about the conversation you and Jordan had. That was a shock for me, Alexa says. You can see that people like Matt and Amy are discreetly continuing to eat during this and it's kind of hilarious. Megan's response comes swiftly but goes on forever because Megan loves to listen to Megan. Okay, right, so, she says, gearing up for a bit of righteousness. You preach about girl power. As a woman who feels it's important to support other women, I do not think at the time, at the point we were in then, I was at a vulnerable position, I don't think that that was the time to stick the knife in. Meg is obviously referring to Alexis's pointed will you do it again comment from the commitment ceremony. I never made any mistakes here, says Alexis. There's a sad truth to these words. Like She's been matched with two men whom, in spite of her obvious good looks, haven't been interested. She didn't cheat or act emotionally unavailable or get removed for aggression. She just kept trying. So I hope she gets a nice fellow when she gets out of the experiment, because she deserves it. Anyway, things start to ramp up. All I've ever done in this whole experiment is be open and honest. I think you know that's exactly what I've done, says Megan. I cannot keep feeling like I'm alone in this process, because the whole time, start, middle and end, that's how I felt, continues Alexis. And I am still alone, interjects Meg animatedly. I've been alone from the start, and I still am. Megan, not everything is about you. You made the mistake, says Alexis. And I owned it, shoots back Meg. 
Alexis tells Megan that she isn't taking responsibility or trying to look at it from her perspective. I've been putting myself in your shoes, Bob's shoes, for the past two weeks, and I'm sick of paying for a mistake, says Meg, pointing an accusatory finger at Alexis. A mistake you championed. Oh, no, she did not just say that. Alexis is stunned for a second. You may as well have gotten your fucking cheerleader palms out, shouted Meg. Shouts Meg. I did not give you no go-ahead to go kiss my husband, says Alexis, winning best line of the episode. It was your idea, responds Megan. Alexis calls Megan a liar and reminds the rest of the table how much she hates liars. The words, go and kiss Jordan, did not come out of my mouth, says Alexis, getting very annoyed. So don't ever sit here and say, I told you to kiss Jordan. It seems like Megan might have been referring to the scene at the dinner party when she told, uh, then when Alexis told Megan that she was exactly Jordan's type. Tay puts down her popcorn for a moment and reminds Alexis that Megan has already apologised for everything. I have a right to feel how I feel, says Alexis. It's about how you said it and the timing, says Meg. Alexis responds by telling Megan that she has no idea about Alexis's personal history on this topic, nor does she have a sense of what's going on in the background for her right now. Is it even really a reality TV programme if there isn't a you-don't-know-me moment at some point? Alexis is really upset, and when Megan tries to offer some frankly condescending bullshit about Alexis needing to take personal responsibility, she snaps. I'm talking, she tells Meg angrily. I understand. Everyone can hear you, says Meg. They can. They really can. Dear God. Megan has this dismissive manner, which, coupled with her love of the sound of her own voice, makes her kind of dislikable at times. The real cause of Alexis's upset is eventually revealed. She tells the group that things with Aunt aren't going as well as she hoped. I came here for love. So did we all, says Meg. The conflict continues until Alexis leaves the table for a breather. Marilise is a blur as she sprints after Alexis. Ah, I didn't know Marilise cared. Amy goes after Alexis too, but she takes the time to grab her handbag first. Away from the table, Alexis continues to complain about Megan's inconsiderate behaviour. Back at the table, Meg says that she's never apologised for anything more in her life. You're having to defend yourself at every turn. I have seen that, says Matt. The tears flow as Alexis speaks out about how shit it is that things aren't going to plan with Aunt. Marilise tells her to share this with the others. We're all here to hear you today, says Amy. I appreciate you girls, Alexis says, hugging the gals together. Aw, see this is what there should be. Togetherness, not infighting. Back at the table, Megan continues to go on about how hard done by she is, having to regularly apologise for a thing that she did. Back with the dudes, Bob was telling the boys that he told Megan not to hold back her feelings and that he'll support her 100%. He says that Meg seems like she's at the end of her tether. Alexis seems to be in the same position, agrees Aunt. I think some of that is partly to do with our situation, says Aunt, referring to the earlier friend zone revelation. Josh once more comes out with wisdom which belies his muscle man persona. When, what you've got to remember is that Megan has taken a lot of the heat but there was somebody else involved in that. I know Megan was wrong in what she did, says Aunt, but it should have been Jordan that bore the brunt of it. Back in the picnic, a composed Alexis returns to the table. Round two, says Alexis, of an actual conversation. After ascertaining that, yes, it will indeed be an actual conversation this time, Megan says, 
The kiss aside, I've been nothing but honest from the start. With Bob, with everyone. Like I said, I just don't know how many times I can apologise. Alexa says that she thinks it's shit that Megan is left copping all the flack which should be meant for Jordan. So don't ever think that I'm shitting on you, says Alexis, because I understand that you're having to deal with the bullshit because he's gone. He's got a lot to answer for, says Matt, who is almost certainly a bit sad that he missed out on all this earlier drama. I don't want an apology off you because I forgive you, says Alexis magnanimously. Morag pipes up. I think for two women to sit down at a table, you both should be commended for it because I don't think I could do it. You should both be proud of yourselves for really trying. Meg and Alexis decide to draw a line under things and everyone raises a glass to celebrate. Over with the guys. The bros are reading questions off a card. How many sexual partners have you had? Reads Frankie. Daniel says 30 to 40, which is a fairly conservative figure for a handsome, free-spirited fellow with access to Grinder. Luke says between 40 and 50, which I'm sorry is preposterous. <laughs> Anne says between 40 and 50. Given the overall package of his face, body and flirt game, this is believable. Adam says between 70 and 80, which is also plausible. Bob says his is around 80 and no one believes him for a second. No one was honest, Luke tells the camera laughing. Apart from me, obviously. Frankie refuses to say. It's larger than any number I've heard today. He eventually agrees to admit to 100. Let's just say 100, says Frankie. The guys buy this. This viewer does not. Josh says he doesn't know and then pretends to get a call. He ultimately dodges the question. Maybe he was a virgin before he came into the experiment. (laughs) Elsewhere, the girls have a game of never have I ever. The subject of where the riskiest place you've ever had sex comes up. I've done it in a lift, says Taya. How many floors was it? Asks Amy. I've done it in a wood, says Matt to some mild responses. In a church, says Morag. Excuse me, what? I just wanted to respect the living, she says enigmatically. Never have I ever said I loved you without meaning it, says Alexis. Marlise takes a drink. Shocking, Matt. Marlise, I'm surprised. Mar says that, of course, this was from the pre-experiment times. Over at the barbecue, it's time for a bob roast. This should be an easy one, says Josh, before reading out the question on his card. Who would you least like to be married to? He picks Megan because of the infidelity. Frankie also picks Megan, but because he says she's not his type. Out of respect for Alexis, and correctly answers Megan. Luke picks her because of the cheating. Bob's face is so inadvertently expressive, his discomfort is clear. Adam picks Meg because he doesn't understand her behaviour towards his bestie Bob. Bob tells the camera that all of this was hard to hear because he only sees the positives in Meg. I am really good at it, to be honest, he says. There's a break, and when we return, the gals are inquiring about how Morag's relationship is getting on. Each week, I feel like we're going from strength to strength, she beams. So what happens, says Meg, when you go home and a laddie lad of the variety that you find most attractive tries to slide into your DMs, eh? Will that sway you, asks Taya. I'm just trying to live in the moment and not trying to think past that, she says, very sensibly. Meanwhile, Luke is telling the lads how things are going. Adam tells Luke, Adam asks Luke if he is in love with Morag. 
I'm falling for her, but I'm petrified of getting hurt. Mel pops up, up to remind us that at this stage of the experiment, feelings are starting to deepen. It's not unusual in a new relationship for a couple's feelings to develop at different speeds, she says. When one partner is in Loveville and the other is still hanging out in I Like You A Lot town, it can cause problems. Frankie gives a speech to the others about how after 20 years of horrendous relationships, it's great to have the princess he has now. It's about time now at my age that I found someone amazing, he says. He tells the boys that he wanted to tell Marilise how much he likes her and loves her at the commitment ceremony. Did you just say you love her? Bob asks. And the gang have a great laugh. Marilise, for her part, isn't quite there yet. I feel like he tries too hard to make me happy sometimes, she says, before saying that she thinks Frankie is closer to Loveville than she is. Mar offers a fascinating insight into the inner workings of Frankie. Does he open up with you? asks Morag. It, it takes a while, and I do have to ask him what the reason for being sensitive is, and then he'll tell me. He's not the manly man that you all see. He's actually really soft. The other day, he did break down in front of me. She says that she's going to continue taking each day as it comes. And remember that you've got all of us, reminds Morag, ever the cheerleader for female empowerment. Dan tells the boys that he misses Matt, and that in itself is a telltale sign that it's something deep. Matt tells the girls pretty much the same thing. Dan tells the boys that, uh, yeah, he's in love with Matt. Definitely dropped the L-bomb with the lads, but part of me wants to keep that special with Matt. I want him to know the importance of my words, Dan tells the camera. Oh, When the girls ask Matt if he loves Dan, he smiles a smile that makes the answer obvious, but he stays silent. Amy twigs the reason. You need to tell him before you tell us. Are Matt and Dan made for each other or what? Josh has asked how things are going in his marriage. He says that since the commitment ceremony, things have been going very well. I didn't realise what I was doing to what I was doing was hurting her so much, he says. I've been trying to implement the expert suggestions. Sometimes it's the little things, like the arm around the shoulder or the hand on the lap, says Adam. That's what women need. They just need that security. Amy tells the girls that the night after the commitment ceremony, Josh told her 50 things he loved about her. I think that was really nice and it really helped us, says Amy. She tells the camera that she and Josh are being more courteous to each other and that now they are in a quote-unquote good place. Mm. She tells the girls that she's got feelings for Josh. Do you think they're reciprocated though? asks Morag. I think so, says Amy. He is a slow burner. Morag doesn't seem happy with this answer. Cut to Alexis telling the camera that in this process, you can't be a slow burner. You have to let all of your walls down or you won't get what you want out of it. Amy tells the group that Josh is affectionate in private, but just not around the group, possibly because he feels awkward. A very happy Megan tells the camera that she feels like Amy is just making excuses for Josh. And by God, is she here for it. Morag tells Amy that it would be nice if Josh were more affectionate or at least check up on her at the next dinner party. Morag says she's worried that Josh will never catch up to Amy in Loveville. Amy tells the camera that she dislikes the toxic comments and wasn't impressed that everyone, but especially Morag, whom apparently is nicknamed Moo, piled on poor Joshy. I've seen a change in him already, she tells the group. I think he will get there. Time for someone to turn the honesty knob all the way up to 11. Amy, I'm really sorry. There's something I'm going to have to bring up today. She, she, she makes a right meal out of it. 
Morag tells the gang that shock horror. Last year, Josh may have added me. May have sent me a message multiple times, liked multiples of my photos. She didn't bring it up sooner, she says, because she didn't want to damage their relationship. Blondes ain't even his type, though, says Amy. Morag says she told Luke from the off. Has Josh mentioned it to you? Has he been transparent and honest? Head shake from Amy. Wow, says Alexis. He probably messaged a lot of girls, says Morag. It's just that I happen to be one of them. Did he not think it would come out? Alexis asks Amy, who just shrugs uncomfortably. Morag tells the camera that she hopes this doesn't shatter Amy and Josh's already fragile relationship, but Josh should have been open about everything from the start. Like, I get what Morag is saying here, but honestly, Josh is a handsome young fellow with access to a phone. Like, no doubt he has cast a wide net of likes and uh, you-ups across the internet. Like, is it likely he remembers one face out of the crowd? No doubt we will find out. The whole day has not been good for Amy. Much like Bob over in Boys Town, she's tired of having to defend her husband. She tells the camera that she hopes that this is the end of the matter now. It's like she's never seen the show before. Speaking of Bob, Adam has taken him aside for a little game of The Truth Hurts. Bob starts off with the usual hopeful spiel about he and Megan, saying that they just haven't had enough time to try and work on us. I feel like you've had enough time in the relationship. You've had the wedding, the honeymoon, you've been living together. I feel like there's been enough time to know whether there's something there or not, says Adam. Yeah, but then there are the good times, counters Bob. Adam decides to get tougher. Have you thought about the fact that she said she was compatible with Jordan? I think I'm compatible with loads of people in the world, says Bob. Okay, final try. So if I asked you, do you reckon you will be still here and romantically linked with Megan this time next week? I do feel like it could grow, and I don't like to give up on things, answers Bob, with less conviction than he had at the beginning of the conversation. Adam tells Bob that he just wants the best for him. He adds that he doesn't see things turning romantic for the couple. Not everyone is meant to be together. Still, though, he encourages Bob to be honest with Megan about his feelings, even if it pushes her away. Adam tells the camera that it was hard telling Bob the truth. They got a crunch talk to have, he says. Over in Gal Glade, Megan admits that because she was so grateful that Bob forgave her transgression, she ended up tolerating more Bobness than she probably would usually. He just says nice things about you all the time, says Alexis. I just want to love him, says Megan. Matt says that the jury's out on whether the couple will make it. That's rather optimistic. It seems obvious where Beg and her headed, and I'm afraid it's divorce junction. The day's events are concluded, and we see the couples reunited back home. Alexis is shown arriving back to Aunt. What a fucking day, she says. The couple sit on the couch, and Alexis summons up the courage to make a move. I had some advice from everyone, she tells him. Everyone thinks that I should stick it on you. There's silence and sort of a half grimace from Aunt. We're way behind in the process than everyone else. We're not at the same stage they're at, so genuinely don't know. You know I'm a slow burner. Poor, poor Alexis. I appreciate your chill, but you can't be this chill. Wheels gotta start moving, she says. Elsewhere, Bob tells Megan about his chat with Adam. I still feel like there's stuff maybe neither of us have said that could help. Megan uses her professional voice to say, 
I think it's really important that we are clear on where we think this relationship can go or not go. Bob says, uh, well, he's an optimist, so he's going to ignore the fact that Megan is halfway out the door and soldier on no matter what. Oh, Bob, your pathological loyalty to a woman who is so ambivalent about you is really something to behold. Bob tears up and says he hates when others criticize her. Megan tells Bob that she loves his patience and his forgiveness and his resilience. You are a special person, he tells her. So are you. Bob says that the couple have a few days left to try and get to the next level. The pair hug and then Bob cries some more. And that's it for uh, the Girl Power Picnic slash Boy BQ episode of Maths UK. We see a clip for next week and hear Amy asking Josh about DMing Morag. Then it cuts to the dinner party where the answer box seems to be making a reappearance. We hear Megan reading... Bob, please stop being a doormat. We see Luke declaring his love to Morag. We see Adam put it up to Bob, of all people. What the hell is that all about, eh? I can't wait to find out, fewer friends. Let me hear your thoughts. Get in touch with us on Twitter at Adventures in TV too. Or you can email me on Adventures in TV, TV spelled T-E-E-V-E-E, at gmail.com. And you can find us on all the other places, Instagram, Facebook and everything, at Be Unkind Rewind. See you then, viewer friends.